Welcome to the Flying Baton, the magical land of beginning band. Coming to you from the beautiful Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, your host, Charlie Nesmith. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm really excited for you to hear today's episode. We have two former band directors who each spent over 20 years in the classroom before becoming administrators. They have such great wisdom and perspective, which we could all use right now as we're about to enter one of the most unique and challenging years in the history of education. Just a quick note that we conducted this interview in person, but with masks on, so some of the voices may sound a tad muffled. As always, at the end of the episode, we have our beginning band pick of the week. This is where we dissect a piece of music that you could possibly use in your program. Let's get started. All right, guys, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, if you could each just state uh, your name and your current position. I'm Alan Kirkdorfer, and I am an assistant principal at Shelburne Middle School in Stanton, Virginia. And I am Alan Shaw, and I'm principal of Fort Defiance High School in Fort Defiance, Virginia. Could you both describe your band career before becoming an administrator? I began teaching band in Iowa. I did a couple of years in uh, suburbs of Cincinnati, Ohio. And then I moved to Virginia, so I taught a total of 25 years of band. Uh, 17 of those were really concentrating on beginning band here in Stanton. And I spent a year in uh, Warren County, Virginia, in a junior high school, came to Fort Defiance, uh, and spent 27 and a half years on the podium in the band room there, and then moved down the hall 12 years as an assistant principal before becoming principal. Which is a recent change. Congratulations. Recent. Thank you. Yeah. Very humbled by the opportunity. What made you decide to want to make the switch from being a band director to becoming an administrator? I was looking for new challenges. Um, I had never done a master's degree. I uh, didn't feel like that was something that I was interested in and for a, a good long time. And when I started looking at doing a master's, I, the first class I took was in curriculum. And it was just, I was just fascinated by it and, and seeing that broader world of what curriculum is. And it just sparked a passion in me. And I, and I decided to go into leadership because of that one class. And my direction came from wanting to help as many students as I possibly could and seeing that uh, there were opportunities administratively that I didn't have as a band director um, I recognized that I wouldn't have as much direct contact with the students necessarily unless I chose to make it that way and had some curriculum supervisors over the years who really did a good job of making sure they stayed in contact with the, the students. And um, so I wanted to model myself after that. I feel like I have. Do you guys feel like your uh, skills that you acquired as, as being a band director have helped out in your career as an administrator? I believe so, yes. I, I think... Part of being a music teacher is the amount of different plates that you have to keep spinning. We're, as, as a band teacher, that is something that has to happen more than maybe in some of the other classrooms in the, cl in the school building. And so being able to already multitask in that way allows me to do this job as well. And there are absolutely direct parallels from what we do in a rehearsal room and putting together a band program to what we do in a school and putting together a total school program. And, and you know, I joke all the time, when you drop the baton, you hope something's going to happen. 
You know, it's an ultimate test in, in faith and trust in a whole bunch of other folks. And when the tone sounds first thing in the morning, that's the same exercise. You're, you're trusting that folks are going to do what you expect them to do and do it in the best way possible. And I totally believe that good instruction is good instruction. And in order for both of us to go 25-plus years in the band room with really quality band programs, I understand what good instruction is. And to walk around the building and see where that's happening in the building is is a positive. And being able to, to recognize that and give ideas and share ways of making good instruction happen. What is one of the harder things about being an administrator for you? I don't have as much student face-to-face time as I used to, and I miss that. Um, more of the time that I am with students, it is a, in a small group setting. So I do get to know some of the students really well. Um, but I do miss being in front of a classroom. And there are times where I think being in a classroom would be a good thing for my soul again. And I have made it a point to try to maintain that contact. I try to be in every classroom every day. Um, As an assistant, part of my role was to make sure that the principal had that opportunity, so I took as much off of his plate that I could. Um, But I continue to have a music stand and an instrument in my office, and I won't change that now as principal. And students will come to my office for lessons after school every day. Um, that they want to be there, I hope. Um, the frustrating part is is not being able to make an immediate change sometimes. Um, you know, students playing a wrong note, there are things that we can do that correct it pretty quickly. Uh, when something's happening in the classroom that's not what we would want to have happen, it takes a little while to make those changes. And mm-hmm. that that uh, is an absolute lesson in patience sometimes What's something that's uh, really rewarding that you guys have found about being administrators? I I think, again, the opportunity to help more students, more families, um, certainly with the wisdom that comes with years of experience in today's world with coronavirus and how we're going to have to do school. um, I'm leaning on that experience a lot. And I would shudder to think having to come into this role as an administrator without any experience in this current environment we would be. And I think that's important that all of us recognize that administratively it's not something you just walk into. You have to grow into and mm-hmm. and gain some experience in the classroom and and make sure that you know the business before you become that that part of it. I appreciate that I can be a voice for other educators in a way that is different than what I could be from a classroom. Uh, So I feel like I can talk to central office employees and, and represent what it feels like to be a teacher and how do we take the situations that we're facing and, and say, yes, that's going to work for our kids, our teachers and our kids, or no, I really think we need to think about that more. So I'm going to read a J.K. Rowling quote. It basically says that a, a young person has no idea what it's like to be old 
but an old person should be patient with a young person because they should remember what it was like to be young. This is not a crack on anyone's age. But I bring this up because I bring it up because you know I thought about that as far as like there's a lot of teachers that I know and I've seen over the years that as soon as someone becomes an administrator, they're like, oh, they they're out of touch. They don't know what it's like to be a teacher and be in the classroom anymore. Like they've forgotten what it was like. And you know, I hear like a lot of negativity sometime. Uh, but I was like, you know, that, most teachers have no idea what it's like to be an administrator, but you guys have been a teacher before. So what is something or, or some things that, that you think maybe like the average teacher with no administrative experience does not recognize about the difficulty of your job? I think I knew this before going into being a principal, so I don't know if teachers understand this or not, but I think as an admi- admin person, you're not able to make everybody happy. You have to take the the best solution that you can come up with in every situation. Um, looking at it from the outside, I always went, I don't want to be that person. Nobody's ever happy with the principal. <laughs> um, but after having watched several people do it, I thought that I at least had some skills where I could help. And, and I wanted to be able to do that. Um, so just knowing that there's always multiple sides to every story and being able to try to piece that together and figure out the best way to move forward is what we try to do. And that, that's absolutely 100% on. As an administrator, I'm trying to support a staff of individuals who I want to be 100% passionate about what they're doing. You have the responsibility as the band director to advocate for your program. The um, the chairman of the math department has 100% responsibility to advocate for what's best for the math department. What we don't always foster is the ability then for those folks to see that it is a great big picture and we have to make judgment calls based on all of the evidence that's in front of us. Uh, and do what's best for, oh my goodness, the children. That's what we're here for. Uh, And that doesn't always happen. Um, And I think that's where we stumble uh, as educators, not just as administrators or as teachers. We don't always keep what's best for the kids in mind. We sometimes look for the easy way out, or we look for ways to do things that expedite the solution um, you know, when we deal with a student in a discipline situation, they come with with baggage that we have to work through and find the reason for their behavior, not just arbitrarily punish the behavior. So, you know, I think we've come a long way with that. And I think, you know, the days back of, of my youth as an educator, I, I think administratively, the role of administrators has grown a great deal in the direction of being uh, almost going back centuries ago where the term principal was not the complete term. It is principal teacher. And we dropped the teacher somewhere along the line. And at this point, I think we're going back to that, you know, the principal is the principal teacher. In the one-room schoolhouse, that was the principal and the teacher. In the two-room schoolhouse, it was two teachers, and one of them played the role of the principal and was the principal teacher or the lead teacher. And I think that's the attitude we need to come to as administrators is that we're, 
were the lead educator in the building. And if you think about it in those terms, it changes perspectives a lot of times. I think it's a really awesome perspective to take because I, th- I feel like a lot of times teachers feel like the administration is like the man, you know, it's like, it's like, oh, they're like, they're the boss and I'm, and I'm just like this teacher and, and they feel like a big divide, I guess. But, but phrasing it like you're still a teacher too. I mean, I think that mm-hmm. that's just a wonderful perspective to have. There are people in the building who, when they call me boss, just as what they call me, see that as the relationship between a boss and an employee. And I don't feel that way at all. It's uncomfortable for me to have me just call me boss. Mm. I said, I'm no. I, I'm just Alan Kirkdorfer. And I think I understand education. And I understand what it's like to be a teacher. And I want to help you find the right ways to make that happen and, and come up with really good solutions. Um, I'm not going to be able to tell you as a boss everything that you should do. Well, I'm going to ask a very difficult question. So if you need to take some time to formulate an answer, uh, we can just trim it out of the podcast later. <laughs> um, but, you know, we talked a little bit about before the interview about how typically band directors tend to be very tunnel vision, laser focused on the band, which I am 100% guilty of sometimes. Um, if someone were to ask you how you feel now as an administrator, like what role should the fine arts play in the greater school community? What would you say that that is for you? I'm going to start with a quote that was something that my college band director always said, in that the language arts teachers and math teachers teach the students how to be an educated person. And sports people teach students how to be an active, physically educated person. And the music teachers and the fine arts teachers teach how to have a good soul. And I think that's still where we're after. Yeah, I would agree. The perspective I took as a, as a band director was this is the one class in the building that you have to have expertise or some mastery of every other subject area. And this is the one place where it's all going to come together for you. And, you know, um, you're in here because you've survived the discipline challenge of sitting in a middle school band class <laughs> and being quiet while the clarinets fixed a note uh, or while the percussionist figured out which hand to use. And um, by the time you got to the high school band, that discipline had been self-instilled. So you weren't, you either survived it and came out of it and were a great student or you didn't make it out. But it still has to be every other subject area you have to draw from to be a good musician. Mm. And I, I think that's, as an administrator, still the core of what I believe in terms of, you know, we teach the whole child. And there's a reason why students who are in band or in choir or in the art room are at the top of their class academically or at the top of, of their class even athletically is that they have put it all together. Now, whether we've done that for them in the process of making them musicians or artists or or, um, or that's the group that truly got it somewhere along the line. 
my soul cries for the kids who don't get that sometimes. And I want to say, instead of repeating the math class that you failed, I want to put you in a band room. I want to put you in a choir room. I want to put you in the art room. But I've had to take you out of there because you need to retake this math class. We do damage to the whole child when we do that. Hmm. And uh, as an administrator, one of those things that challenged me and and pushed me into this role is that I want to try to make a difference and help figure out how we can do that for kids. Hmm. You know, whether it's being creative with a schedule or finding a way to help students be successful in areas that they've stumbled without giving up other parts of their life. Well, we have um, at our school probably over over 100 kids doing online only for the start of the year, yes. which I, I will certainly teach them online and we'll make it work. But one of the things that I do kind of lament losing is is some of that teamwork and, you know, some of those things you're talking about, about them having something in their life that they are working towards and pulling together different disciplines. And I mean, I'm sure we can do some of that online, but it's different when you're in, you know, the class environment and you're working towards something as a team. And a lot of the kids, you know, like that's that's the only team experience they really they get. You know, yeah. some of them. And I'm, um, you know, I'm just not not that I'm nervous about it. I just, you know, I really can't wait to get them back in to have that experience. Well, I think we need to fight the term social distance. It's bothered me from the beginning when we started talking about that. We are social creatures. When we boil it down to our primal creation, we're not isolated. Uh, beings. And so, you know, I've tried to make sure that every time I make that statement, it's a physical distance. We'll Mm -hmm. make a physical distance of six feet, but we can't socially distance from one another. Mm. We still have to be part of the family, part of the community. Absolutely. Yeah. And so finding a way to do that, whether it's through distance learning, uh, you know, creating small Zoom pods or whatever it might be to, to find some commonality within the students who are in band or the students who uh, are in a classroom where I can say these six or seven, you guys are working together on some sort of a project. It's still creating that, that cluster of, of social belonging that truthfully we're concerned for the social and emotional well-being of a lot of our students who we've not seen since Absolutely. March because mm-hmm. we, we know very well what's going on at home and we're the best seven hours out of their day when they are able to be with us. Hmm. Yeah. I remember having a, a sixth grader this year and he was not the best musician by a long shot. Um, but he came up to me one day and he was like, Hey, can I, can I just hang here after school? And I was like, are, are you going to work on something? Like what, what, what do you want to, you need to practice? Do you need help? And he's like, no, I just really don't want to go home. Mm-hmm. You know? And, he said that his mom's boyfriend just got out of jail and like forced his way back into their home. And like, he's like, I just don't want to be there. You know, and I've, I've thought about that student a lot since coming, you know, since the distance learning started. It's like, man, that kid's in that environment 24 hours a day right now. And I hope it's improved for him. But, you know, like I'm, I'm definitely, you know, if I'm on these, all these band director Facebook groups and everyone's so concerned about like, how are we going to adapt the, like the band room? For distance, how are we going to adapt trying to teach a kid how to play a trumpet and not getting too close to them? And all, and, and all that's valuable, but, like, I can't help but think, like, we, we need to have really good preparation for the mental health of the students when they mm-hmm. come back because we're going to be going on five months 
five months away from school and not very much social or any social uh, interaction with these kids. And I just, I just don't even know what that's going to look like. You know, I, I have no idea. And that's what Alan means when he says, you see the big picture. Yep. Mm. Well, thanks. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge for all of us, but we're going to get through it. We're going to do it, you know. And that, that is the advantage that folks who are music teachers have because we work in that environment on a regular basis. We see and recognize that it, what it takes to, to do a group project and come together in one common goal, drop the baton and something happens. You know, you, you've done all the, the legwork, the things that need to happen in order for that to be truly beautiful and magical. And uh, not everybody gets that opportunity when you assign problems one through 40 odd and bring them back in tomorrow. Those days of sit and spit or whatever you want to call it, that kind of instruction is gone, <laughs> I hope. Yeah, the, the old school method. Yeah. <laughs> Just yell at them until they until they get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I'll ask. It's hard to come off the emotional height of that question. I'll try to make it a little more lighthearted for the next one. But um, do you feel that you? I mean, band directing takes up so much time. You know, it's almost like having a job and a half, or even two jobs if you're a high school director. You're all, all these after school commitments and weekend commitments. Do you feel as an administrator you are putting in more hours or less hours, or about the same as when you're a band director? More, without a doubt. <laughs> and as a, coming from the perspective as a high school band director, I'm about the same. Um, I joked for a while, literally the difference between a 12-month band contract and being a, an administ- assistant principal was 10 cents. Hmm. That was the difference in the contract the first day. So, uh, you know, it, it's literally the same. You're there, sun up, past sundown. Hmm for whatever reasons. Right. And I'm coming from the perspective of a middle school band director right. that did, I had a 10 month contract as a teacher. Yep. Um, definitely there were after school activities, but not to the same extent as someone who's trying to run a marching band and all the, the extras that go along with the high school contract. Yeah. Hmm. Well, how do you, with, with all that extra time, how do you achieve the work-life balance necessary to feel good. Not well. <laughs> <laughs> there are certain sacrifices that everybody has to make in that regard, and we do that as educators anyway. Um, you know, our families grow uh, exponentially every year when we get the new roster. Um, and with that approach, you know, uh, yeah, we have a family at home, but we have a family at work too, and so you have to deal with that and and hopefully the family at home grows up in that experience and knows mm-hmm. what it's like and, and is part of it. And I didn't begin this job until my own children were well into high school. So at the same time, my wife became a full-time at-home person. Um, so she was able to do the things that the boys needed that I wasn't necessarily there for. Um, which has been a trading role for us. Different times in our lives, I've been more of the primary caretaker at home, and she was off busy doing things. Um, So now that they're in college, that gives me the opportunity to feel like I can be at school when I need to be at school. 
yeah, this is something I'm thinking about a lot right now. So I have a three-month-old at home, and I'm like, man, all right, well, you know, he was born in April, but we weren't in school, so I'm like, I I still want to be good at my job, but at the same time, I don't want to be one of those like absentee band director dads who's who's never home, mm-hmm, right. or who's always working at home. So I'm like, I have no idea how we're gonna swing this balance, but we're gonna figure yeah. it out. Yeah, well, congratulations um, to you. Oh, thank you. I I think back to uh, I. Uh, She's now a curriculum supervisor for us in the county, but I had a, a feeder um, teacher whose student taught with me, and her first child um, would come and uh, lay on a blanket underneath a tree beside of the practice field while she helped with marching band. You know, and I kid him about that all the time. He's, he's a high school student playing saxophone now, but you know, it is again you're fostering a family environment at work and when the two can blend together and, and find a way to make that happen. It's, hmm. it's pretty special. Yeah. Well, do you guys have any hobbies outside of school that you feel help take your mind off things a little bit? I really like to read. Uh, we have expanded our garden a lot this summer. Uh, I've been working outside and doing a lot of that. Um, done some reworking of some retaining walls that needed to be done. So I I think when I do get out and I I need to be outside and I'm working hard in a in a way that's different. It's it's physical work instead of mental work mm-hmm. and I need to balance that. And I would say the same. I mean, you look for physical uh activity that you can do whether it's in a garden or at a farm or whatever it might be. Something that while it takes some thinking, it's not the same sort of, of processing that you have to go through on a minute-by-minute, um, minute, day-by-day, mm-hmm. uh, you know, oh, here's a, a new problem I need to figure out a solution for pretty quickly. And, that, and it gives us time to to depress, de-stress, and, and think through, you know, while you're doing something else. You, you, I process a lot of stuff while I'm out mowing the yard or or, you know, whatever it might be. And I think we're both still practicing musicians. And I, for me, picking up my horn and playing is still a, a release point as well. Um, it gives me continued perspective about what it's like to to be a part of a group where I have a role to play in order to help others be successful. Um, but I'm not leading the group. I'm not the one in the front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've actually I've really enjoyed playing uh, in the Valley Wind Ensemble for for that reason. It's like I am not in charge of this group. I get to stand in the back and be a good percussionist, you know. And I'm I am not leading this one for once, you know. And it's it feels good to be like just a, kind of a part of the whole and not always necessarily being at the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's valuable to be in the group. Yep. Mm-hmm. And what's really funny about that is, especially sitting in the back because I see all of it is band directors regressing to their, like, stereotypes, you know? Like, you got the trombones and the percussionists cutting up the whole time, you know, <laughs> and, like, talking when they're not supposed to be talking. <laughs> and it's like, I know that you guys get on your kids about doing this in yeah. your own band room. I mean, you see the same thing at faculty meetings, you know? Oh, yes. Yeah, you see teachers mm-hmm. doing all kinds of crazy stuff. You're like, you know that you're not letting your students do that, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Absolutely. If there is a young teacher who is considering going into administration, what are some things that you think that they should consider before kind of taking the plunge or some things they need to be mindful of to make that transition? 
I think being aware of the time is definitely something to think about. Really knowing who you are and what your priorities are, your values, and being solid with yourself is going to be really important. Take the opportunity to gain the perspectives beyond the walls of your kingdom, Uh, whether it be just to go and observe somebody in a completely different part of the building, do their job, or, you know, coming to an administrator and saying, is there a task that I can take on to try to, you know, make sure this is the direction I want to go, get some experience um, wherever you can, however you can, um, you know, just to make sure that when you take that plunge, you've you've thought it through. Uh, because once you're there, mm-hmm. it's uh, <laughs> there are many ways to be a leader in a building. Yeah, there are many roles that can be played, and by starting with some of those, you get a feeling of whether or not this is a really a place that you belong. Hmm. Well, I think for the final part of our interview, um, there's three questions I'd like to ask everybody. Um, I might have to adapt them a little bit uh, due to your position, but we'll go go for it. Okay. Number one, do you have a mentor shout out? Wow. I would have to, instead of naming a particular name, I think all of those who've gone before, you know, we're like sponges. We, you know, when I talked about being social creatures, we take things that each of us, has the people we come in contact with. I mean, over the years, I've watched Alan work and I've seen him do things and and I've stolen them. I mean, that's, you know, that's who we are. We're thieves, we're sponges. Mm -hmm. And we squeeze out the stuff that doesn't work for us. But it's, you know, nobody uh, is inventing a wheel that hasn't already been invented. We're just trying to figure out how to make it work for who we are and where we are and, and who we're working with. Uh, so, you know, everybody from college professors to colleagues to uh, my high school band director here in Stanton, Bob Sanger, God rest his soul, and his wife, Marguerite, when she put me on a on her briefcase in a catalog so I could reach the mouthpiece on a sousaphone <laughs> in the old band room at the old Lee High School, uh, you know, uh, and having the opportunity to come back home and uh, be with those people as they... Uh, experience life's passages and and hopefully making them proud as as we did our job and hope to do the same for those who come behind us. Yeah, I would really agree in that it's so many different people. Um, I do think of my first band director, Rich Timish, back in Eldora, Iowa. Um, I think of the first principal I worked for, Dan Hargrave, who was just a really solid man. Um, I think of JMU professors that I never took for a class but would be in my classroom and run research or bring in student teachers and and pulling ideas from them. Um, and, and the colleagues that I, I mean, District 5 band directors would always have good conversation and worked with Doug and Sheba Lane for many years. And by the time Sheba and I stopped working together, I don't know that you could have told whose strategy that was. <laughs> it was we just it, it's how the band room worked. Awesome. All right, well number two, do you have a favorite band piece? As a player or as a conductor? Ooh. 
Well, you can do both if you want. Uh, I'd have to think. Thinking back on my college playing career, the there are a couple that really stand out. Fantasia and G by Mar was just amazing. Um, some of the new things that are coming out, um, Angel in the Architecture mm-hmm. is just amazing to listen mm-hmm. to. And there were favorites that I had that as a teacher. I don't know that there's any that I would really name and list, though. There, it was dependent on um, who I had in front of me and what what it was that I needed to get taught. Right. So can't go can't go wrong with John Lennon, John Lennon's Imagine, though. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 one gives a good message too. There you go. Yeah, I think you know um, some of the war horses, Chester. Uh, Variations on America, the, the trilogy, that whole set. Um, I really find some of the newer things very. I'd, I'd like to put a baton back in my hand sometimes, yeah. just because the, the challenges, particularly with meter and mixed time, and you know those things, uh, I think would excite me hmm. from a performance standpoint. Having the opportunity to prepare a piece of music like that, and um, you know, a tuba player, if you didn't say Holst and Second week, you'd be shot, so I better say that, right? The Chacon. That's just a good, solid piece for anybody. Right. Yeah. All right, for our final question, uh, and this is one we can certainly adapt, I normally ask, uh, name a band director who's crushing it right now. But since you guys are administrators, we can open that up to uh, any teacher or any administrator who you think is really doing a wonderful job right now. Well, Charlie, I think you and John are keeping this program um, I gave a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to this band room. Mm. And I appreciate what you're doing to keep it there. And it's gratifying to see that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have ex- experienced now uh, the third band director following me in the same school, and all three of them early indications with the third, but the, the two previous, you know, continued to build the program and, and, uh, been gratifying to be a part of that and watch it. And there are so many programs where that doesn't stay true. Right. Yeah. And mm. so. Yeah, I had a college, <laughs> my college advisor and professor, band director, who said, you know, there, there is no good job. You're either going to follow the village idiot who got run out of town, uh, <laughs> or you're going to follow God, you know, the person who, who was there forever and walked on water, and people expect you to be just like them. And to some degree, that that's the case. But it, at the same time, you know, it's n- nice to have built a level of expectation in a program, and then to see it continue to be mm-hmm. part of the the expectation and not Definitely. not fall down. Yeah. In terms of folks that are crushing it, I and I, I don't want this to come across as being posies. Every educator in this business is crushing it right now. You know, we're in a tough tough spot. And, uh, you know, my sister's a nurse. My brother-in-law's a a fire battalion chief. And, you know, they're essential employees. But, dadgummit, you know, in 44 days, we're going to bring a staff back together, and they're going to be essential employees to to a whole generation of folks who, you know, we're going to see the ripple effects of coronavirus for the next 15 years in terms of what goes on educationally. And that will bleed on into society forever. But uh, And there's know. many different viewpoints about how that should happen and what yeah. what's the best way to go. And 
we all need to work together and find that pathway yeah. that's going to work for us. You know, and, and the challenges of, of being an educator today are that you know you don't have a target to work with yet, and you know what what the target is at you know, two o'clock on July the ninth is going to be different at two thirty on July the ninth. It just <laughs> changes that quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we all read the news this morning. Heard the news last night, and then two different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, all schools need to open, and then you come back. I know not all schools need to open. To, yeah, so. something I'm definitely thinking about in that regard is it's very possible we will hit a point this year where we will all be back 100% everybody distance learning. You, that's a guarantee. If we go back to phase two mm-hmm. in the Commonwealth of Virginia, we're all going to distance learning. Uh, I think probably what's more likely to happen is that We'll open a school and there'll be a spike in the community and we'll close that school for a period of time. And then we'll open back up. And, you know, it's just until we have a vaccine in place and we can not overwhelm the health system, we're marking time to use a marching band term. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this has been supremely enjoyable. Thank you both so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for asking. Thanks for having us. You know what time it is. This week's pick is Pulsation by Richard Saucedo, published by Hal Leonard. This is a more advanced work that would be suitable for 30-year players. The entire piece alternates between 4-4 and 6-8 time. For the most part, the 6-8 rhythms are pretty basic, consisting of dotted quarter notes and quarter-eighth, quarter-eighth rhythms. The only exception would be one passage for the flutes and clarinets and the percussion players who have some 16th notes with the 6-8 time. The percussion sets the scene, followed by a flute and clarinet soloist. section layers in different voices followed by some antiphonal call and response between the high and low voices the percussion has a little feature accompanied by the band clapping and using vocals
At the end, the main theme returns and we have a big unison finish. While I wouldn't make this your student's first 6-8 composition, it's really digestible with some basic 6-8 rhythms. There are three clarinet parts, two saxes, and two trumpets, and there's a ton of good percussion parts. You're going to want a strong flute and clarinet soloist, as well as strong players on snare drum and timpani, because they hold down the mixed meter pulse for the entire piece. If you would like to buy this piece or listen to it in its entirety, check out the show notes or head over to theflyingbaton.com. This has been... Thanks so much for joining us today. If there's a specific topic that you would like covered on the show, or you have an interview suggestion, please contact us on theflyingbaton.com or message us through our Facebook page. See you guys next time. Thanks for joining us on The Flying Baton. Remember, may your tone be dark and your humor light.